All right, y'all, we are back for another episode, and I am so excited. I have been referencing this on the podcast a couple times, talking about human design and how I've been on my own personal transformational journey and really diving into this. And when I discovered it and then I got introduced into Allison Cullen's sphere, I did a deep dive on her podcast, which is called You Do Woo. And I just saw how impactful it was. But I also saw that she talked a lot about how human design can be brought into parenting. This conversation today is all about human design. And so what I'm going to tell you is if you're like, what is human design? We go over all of that. There's lots of resources in the show notes for you to then start going on your own exploration journey. And I know at points in this podcast, we go in depth because I am honestly loving it. It's transformed my life so much. But I promise we always circle back to those tangible things for you of how learning about this can impact your parenting. And if you're of the mindset like the woo-woo side of things that scare you, I'm going to tell you in the start of this episode, we talk about the science behind the woo-woo, which was so enlightening to learn about. So there is this scientific evidence base to human design, and it also then can impact your personal exploration journey as a parent. What the the recommended aspect of this is, and we dive into this more, is learn what your human design is. Look up your chart. Again, go to the show notes. You might even pause right now and go do it. You do need your exact birth time in order to learn about it. You can look up your children's charts as well, which is going to give you insight into that parenting relationship. And I'm just so excited for you to be able to start exploring this. And I say this at the end of the episode, but this is something that I've even started to be like, wait, this is an amazing tool for parents and their own personal growth and their own personal journey and how that growth and that evolution for you really impacts your child too. So I hope you enjoy this episode and yeah, we're going to dive in. And Allison opened up her DMs that if you have questions about this and As always, if you have questions for me, I am totally game. Connect with me on social media. The last thing that I'm going to tell you, if this episode really resonated with you and you go look up your energy type, go and tag Allison and I. Tell us about it on social media and tell us what your energy type is and what you took away from this podcast. We would be so grateful and it also helps to get the information out there to more parents and I know that there are parents that are needing to hear this message right now. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to a parenting space actually designed for you, where you can get answers about navigating a life that includes autism. I'm Dr. Tay, a licensed child psychologist and parental coach specializing in neurodiversity affirming care. I have supported hundreds of autistic children and their families and have been in the autism field for over a decade. And I know firsthand the impact autism can have. I was 12 years old when my little brother was diagnosed and my family had to learn how to navigate the autism journey. It wasn't always easy. Two decades later, I now create resources and services I wish my family had, including this podcast. And I developed the whole family approach to support your whole family and not just your autistic child. On this podcast, of course, we will talk about autism, but we will also talk about your personal growth and well-being as a parent supporting your non-autistic children, and sharing personal stories of other families so you know you're not alone. Quick disclaimer before we jump into today's episode. 
Anything shared on this podcast should not be considered clinical advice, and you should consult with your team of medical, mental health, and developmental providers if you need support. Hi, Allison. Welcome. Hey, Taylor. I'm so honored to be on your show. I've been looking forward to this, and I know that we've had a really fun time chatting about your individual human design chart, but I'm excited to share about human design with all the parents out there, too. Absolutely. We actually did my human design reading yesterday. I've been diving in for about a month, but I signed up for a reading with Allison to really understand how I was uniquely designed. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into this space? Totally. In my past life, like really my past career, I worked in the music industry and I worked mainly with musicians in Austin and Nashville. So I'm a country music girl, country music fan. And I actually had never even heard of human design. Human design was something that came into the world, I think around 1987 or so. I was born in 1983 had never heard of it at all before like 2018 or so. I was an accountant. I was a business manager. I did some business coaching on the side, very logical brain, very numbers oriented and all that kind of stuff. So now the fact that I do business coaching through a little bit more of a spiritual lens and woo-woo lens is like really, really crazy. It's pretty funny. I'm a podcast host now, a business coach now through the lens of human design and a mom to an almost four-year-old little girl. Yay. I love it. Also, I love country music myself too. <laughs> so when I heard you worked in the country music industry, I was like, that is so cool. <laughs> yes. My husband is not a fan of country music. He makes fun of it all the time, but I'm teaching him a few things and getting him into some of the old country like Merle Haggard and stuff like that, which he enjoys more. So fun. Let's start talking about what is human design. Give us the background of it, because my guess is there's many listeners right now who have never heard of it and maybe some that have but haven't really done a deep dive. So tell us what it is. And is it just a woo-woo type of thing? I mean, obviously, your podcast is called You Do Woo, and that's your Instagram, too. But yeah, give us this background of what human design is. Human design is a mixture of science, and if you want to get spiritual and use it in your spiritual tool belt to sort of grow your soul and learn more about you, you definitely can, but it is based on science. There's a scientific way to describe it and then layman's terms, and I'll just give you both really quick. Human design is like your actual chart when you print it out is basically a blueprint of your individual energy as a human. Everybody's very different. You guys know that. Your kids are all very different. Your spouse is very different than you. All of your friends are very different in the way that they interact with the world and the way that they soak up other people's energy and the amount of energy they have themselves to go out and get things done or have willpower or motivation to do things. Everybody's very different. So layman's terms wise, it's a mixture of biochemistry, genetics, DNA, genetics, the chakra system, and almost like personality type tool like Myers-Briggs or something like that. So a little bit of the science behind it for anybody who needs to know the background. The woo-woo part of it is that it came as a download to a dude in the late 80s. And he actually didn't say a word about it for, I think, about seven or eight years. He just wrote all of this information down kept it sort of secret because he was like, am I going crazy? Like, what is this? Who's talking to me? This thing that gave him the information. He didn't see it. It was just the voice. So it was like this information that was downloaded. But here's the deal. A lot of the information 
ended up being the information we got from the Human Genome Project. It was all about our DNA. And so a little bit of the science behind this, there's these subatomic particles called neutrinos. Okay, I'm going to try to be very like overarching about this and not get too intense for those who are not into chemistry. I'm like geeking out over here though. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yay. So there's subatomic particles called neutrinos. And we realized they were a thing in the 20s or 30s or something was when they were first realized it was a super small particle. They are programming us from the time we are born. So the sun is constantly passing billions and billions and billions of these subatomic particles to the earth, to human beings, through plants, through animals, through everything. It's a big source of energy for us, but it's a little bit different than light energy, than photons. Photons cannot go through a wall. This is why you can't see on the other side of a regular wall. But neutrinos can go through feet of cement. They're just energetic particles that move through any kind of dense matter. The day you're born, depending on the time you're born, the day and where on earth you were born, you get programmed with specific amount and type of neutrinos. And I don't know very much about astrology, but that's why you have to put your exact time of birth and city state and make sure that's all really correct. And if anybody has questions on that, that they're like, don't know the exact time of birth, send me a DM. I can help you. I have some resources on playing with that and figuring it out. But the neutrinos pass through anything. And then in human design, that's how your energy is measured with how many neutrinos were coming to the earth at that time. So it was not measurable until the past few decades. And I think that's why the founder of human design was like, the world wasn't quite ready for this before 1987, because we didn't have all of this science and ability to measure these type of things. So different strands of DNA are activated by different concentrations of neutrinos at different times. And your human design chart is a blueprint of that. And that's why everybody's looks very different. Wow. My mind is blown. I didn't know all of this. I know we had conversations and I listened to an episode of yours where you reference that it, it is very science-based. And I asked Allison to share this at the start of the episode because I understand being a little skeptical of something like this. Many years ago, I would have been like, no way I would look at this. The way that I was trained, I went to a very research, evidence-based PhD program, and I, I was in the research world. I think it's also cool to think about sometimes we don't understand concepts yet because we don't have a way to measure them. And that's exactly what you just described here. The rest of this episode, though, is going to feel more applicable. So I I just wanted to dive into that. But one question I had that came up from that, Allison, how is human design different than astrology? So human design is very much also based on the chakra system. So astrology is, and consider I'm not an astrology expert whatsoever. I'm sort of just diving in because it's interesting, but it seems like too much information for me. For me, human design is a little bit more structured. And astrology seems very esoteric and out there. And I'm like, I can't learn all of these things about what house is in what thing and blah, blah, blah. So astrology is all based on the planets and different energies coming from different planets at different times. The human design system is about the human and our chakra system and our DNA. The only thing that has to do with astrology and human design is that 
It shows you where the planets were at the time of birth and what those different themes were as far as the neutrino particles that were coming from different planets. So you have different dates in certain planets. And if you believe in planets having different themes, then you can apply those gates to them. But also, if you think astrology is just way too woo-woo, you can still utilize human design without any of the astrological or planetary aspects. That makes sense. And I'll share personally, I don't fully understand astrology, but it's not something I've ever personally connected with versus for me, I've really, really connected with human design. So we will link in the show notes how someone can go get their human design. So I would say this next part, we're going to start diving into it. So if you have your chart, you might want to pull that up. You do need where you were born, your date of birth, and then your time of birth. But if you don't know that exact thing, DM Allison and she can help you navigate that. Fun little story. You know this, Allison. My mom and I, I was texting her. I was like, what time was I born? And I had a time. She's like, yeah, that's definitely the time. But I'll double check. Nope, we were off by four minutes. And it didn't change my chart completely, but it did change something called a profile type, which I don't think we'll get into necessarily today. So that is an important piece. But let's start talking about the different energy types too. When you print out your chart, and I'm going to give you a link so everybody can get a free chart and a free cheat sheet. Because when you print out your chart, you see all these different shapes and symbols, and it's a little bit overwhelming. And I say start with your type. You could spend a year on just your type and ignore everything else and learn so much about yourself and your kiddos. So everybody has a type. There are generators, manifesting generators, manifestors, projectors, and reflectors. So I'm going to go through each type really quick. And just so everybody knows, you are a manifesting generator. Yeah. Slightly more manifester energy. And we'll talk about that. And I'm just a pure generator. So generators and manifesting generators make up about 70% of the current population. It's the go out and get it done. Lots of energy. Go, go, go. Work a lot. All that kind of stuff. They have just their own internal life force energy. And so long as they're doing things that light them up every day, they give all the other types energy. So one, my human design mentor always says why the world is so screwed up right now and everybody's so unhappy is because most generators and MGs aren't doing daily work that lights them up. Mm. Now, you and I aren't in that situation anymore. Or for me, I was super burnt out in my past career, but we're both doing things that freaking light us up. And if more of that 70% population were doing daily careers, productivity things, creativity projects that lit them up, it would solve a lot of our issues in this world. So that's just something to know. If you're a generator or a mani-gen, make sure you're working in a career that you freaking love. Or if being a parent is your full-time career, make sure that you're doing certain hobbies and activities that you absolutely love. If you're not, all of that just dense, non-life force energy is going to rub off on your kids. It's not a good situation. You have to be doing things that light you up. So that's the big tip I have for generators and manifesting generators. Any love questions it. there from you? I don't think so. Real quick, I'll just speak on, yeah, I made a huge pivot in my career. 
and saw how much more aligned it was. And it makes so much more sense now looking back with this and just realizing it it can make such an impact. So I think sometimes even you saying find hobbies that light you up talking to parents, it can be hard. There can be barriers to this where it's like, I don't have time to do this. But this is one of those maybe more scientific or even more woo-woo things where that whole cliche, you know, saying of pour into yourself before you pour into others, right? I don't love the saying, but I love the concept. And I think this is demonstrating some of that, that when we actually look at your energy and if you're not feeling aligned, one of the things we're going to touch on later too is how your autistic kiddo senses so much. And Mm -hmm. so it really does have an impact on your child. It's not just about this selfish thing of, oh, well, I just need to take time for myself. It Mm -hmm. literally can have so much profound impact on how you continue to show up and how your child responds to things. Yeah, totally. So that's manifesting generators and generators. Manifestors are about 9% of the population. These are the people who are very much leaders, very independent, very autonomous. Freedom is of utmost important. They really have a lot of throat chakra energy. So speaking their truth, you have manifestor energy. You started a podcast. That vocal energy and vocalization and speaking your truth and getting your truth out there is so, so important. And sort of over-informing people of what you have going on and stepping into the leadership roles where you can. The manifestors are the leaders. They are meant to initiate, to make things happen. They are not meant to work a lot, though. They they sort of work a little bit more on a weekly basis than like daily work. They'll have like two or three days a week of just like intense energy and go, go, go. And then they need to rest and play. It's important to note that. And if you're a manigen, you can send me a screenshot of your chart on Instagram and I'll tell you if you have more manifestor energy for the most part or more generator energy for the most part. Did that resonate with you that you have more manifestor energy? I mean, two things just really quick, and this might help parents too to understand how this looks in action. I was trying to force myself to be productive every day, and I would naturally have these days I'd be so productive. It would energize me. And then other days where I'd be trying to work all day long, And I felt absolutely drained by it. And it wasn't even working directly with patients and their families. It was all the behind the scenes stuff. And giving myself permission and kind of switching up my schedule and realizing that I'm not meant to work nine to five every day the last couple weeks, I'd say to a month, really that's been lighting me up. And some Mm -hmm. of that is just real quick story through this. And I've announced this on the podcast, doing multiple episodes a week. I think creating that space then gave me this inspired idea that I wanted to do more with the podcast. And so cool. Allison said to me, she basically validated that, that the podcast needs to be at the center and I need to keep showing up and serving. And so you can have these elements where it really, it might sound woo-woo to you, but it can really change how you operate on a day-to-day basis and how you show up in your life. Totally. So that is manifestors. Projectors are about 20% of the population. Projectors are really interesting. I attract a lot of projectors into my life. My sister's a projector. My husband's a projector. These people are not meant to be the doers. They are meant to be the birds in the air, seeing things from a higher perspective, guiding people, not working very much. They really should only work like two or three hours per day. 
Now, if you're a projector and you are getting a business off the ground, you can sort of tell your body like, hey, we're going to do this for a few months in a row and I'm going to work quite a bit, but it's not going to be forever. And you really need to find a system of daily life where you're only working two or three hours a day. There can be health issues if you don't do that. Life oh. will life will get you if you don't listen to this. And every single projector who I've done a reading for is like, oh, my God, thank you, God. And it's so funny. You know, you and I could not even imagine that. I mean, I like work-life balance and all of that kind of stuff. But I'm like, oh, my God, if I don't work for three days in a row, I am sort of depressed. And a projector's like, oh, my God, can I have six weeks off just to get over this burnout? So if you're a projector parent, like, definitely DM me. We can chat through a few resources. Grab your projector cheat sheet because you have to take care of yourself. And parenting, whether you have a career or not, parenting is a full-time job. And so you, more than any other type, really need to make sure you're doing some stuff for yourself for downtime and alone time and self-care or else you're going to be affecting your kiddo in a not great way. It's so weird. And being a parent, there's a very nuanced, weird thing and mom guilt thing and whatever of selfishness of taking care of yourself. The more I learn about energy and the transference of energy, and I'm getting ready to share this too because my daughter is a certain type that I'm going to share in a second, you have to deal with your energy. So that your kiddo doesn't have to deal with your energy. <laughs> Any child out there, it doesn't matter if they're autistic, if they're not on the spectrum, if they have special needs of some type. We all have energetic areas where we soak up other people's energies. And the parent's number one job, other than keeping their kid alive, is to take care of their own energy. Period. Projector parents need some extra help. And I think even on an application side of this, because I've talked a lot about this on the podcast too, that if you're dysregulated, if that you have a lot of that negative energy, kids learn so much through modeling and then they imitate behavior. And it's almost contagious in some ways. So if you're dysregulated, it's going to make your kid more mm -hmm. dysregulated too. Mm -hmm. And so this is where regulating yourself, I talk about this a lot, is a really effective strategy for regulating your child. And it's often yeah. where I start with families too. It's sort of that quote unquote quick fix, even though it's not quick. It takes some practice in doing it, but that is the one quick fix in all types of parenting. So the last type is the reflector. This is less than 1% of the population. If you are a reflector, I would love for you to reach out because I've only connected with three adult reflectors in my whole career. My daughter is a reflector. And that was interesting because I had learned about human design for about a year before having my daughter. And when she was born, I just started crying because I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Reflectors are the most sensitive type. Extreme HSP. All of their chakra centers are open, so they're soaking up everyone else's energy. And I didn't get certified until my daughter was almost a year old. So I didn't quite know what that meant. But reflectors are amazing. They are our mirrors. So they are showing us constantly how we're doing health-wise, mental health-wise, spiritually, all of that kind of stuff. Reflectors are really, really special people. So beautiful. So what do you recommend in terms of parents learning about themselves and also then 
Obviously, you looked up your daughter's Mm -hmm. chart. Where in the picture should parents also start looking up their child's charts? Yeah, go ahead and look up your child's chart. I think it'll give you some relief. And here's the deal. I'm very big on conscious parenting and present parenting, which you are as well. And and I don't love to put kids in boxes because I think that every child is very multifaceted and multidimensional. And so I had to remind myself of that. It was very interesting because I was like, okay, my daughter's a reflector. I was freaking out for a little bit. And then I just left it alone for a while and I paid attention to my own chart and my own design and putting those things into practice. And then I think when she was about a year old, I got a reading for her reflector chart. And the lady who did the reading, she was like this old lady who lived on the beach in Maui. She was like so cool. And she was like, this is the most extroverted reflector I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, yes, you're right. So she's not this shy introvert. Like she's extremely extroverted and loves soaking up people's energy so long as it's good energy. But she's not as sensitive in many ways as I thought she was going to be. So I think that's a big deal. Look up your kids' charts. Let it be a tool to use for relief for you rather than trying to mold them into something. Use your chart for you. Here's the deal, too. I think kiddos don't need a lot of unlearning. It's adults who need to unlearn a lot of the things. The kids are fine. They're just being themselves. It's you that's not okay with the way that they're being. Like, it's fine. And we, like, put kids in boxes and teach them to act a certain way and be a certain way socially. And when we go to therapy as adults, we're just trying to unlearn all that crap that was put on us from zero to 14, how we're supposed to be in this world, quote unquote. Well, it's actually interesting to think about. As adults, we have unlearning to do in the ways that we were conditioned Mm -hmm. and This can be hard to hear, but in some ways you're conditioning your kid to learn these patterns by putting them into the boxes. Mm -hmm. And so by advancing your knowledge of how you can unlearn patterns and decondition yourself, that can also then help your parenting of making sure these generational patterns aren't repeating over and over again. So human design is really for parents, not kids. Look up your kids' charts. It's interesting. It's fun. If you find it fascinating, that's cool. But the human design tool is for you as an adult to decondition. And then that will help you preventing your kid from taking on as much conditioning as you had. That just get to be themselves. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, how they are innately born. Give us a real quick example, though, of parenting yourself and with your daughter. You're a generator. She's a reflector. What was maybe some sort of aha that you had or ways that learning this information helped to shift how you approached parenting? Real quick, just a brief interruption, because I want you to know you don't have to navigate this journey alone. If you're in a place where you have concerns about your child's development, you've been on the search for a therapist that provides evidence-based neurodiversity-affirming care, or you're needing more support as a parent, the whole family approach may be a good fit for you. Autism doesn't just impact your child's life, so you deserve care that works for your child and your whole family. Head to the link in the show notes to schedule a complimentary call where we can chat about your unique circumstances. We can help you decide if Dr. Tay concierge clinical care would be a good fit for your family. And if not, we will provide you resources for your next best steps. 
I have one specific thing. So when you're looking at your chart, and if anybody has questions on this, you can send me a DM. But there's this one chakra center called the spleen. Spleen is an organ in our body, but in human design, it's also an energy center chakra. And it's where our fears live. My spleen is defined, which means I do have inherent fears. I don't necessarily pick them up from the outside world or media or anything like that. I have my own. And so I really have to do some deconditioning around my fears so that my daughter, who has an open spleen, doesn't soak them up. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. So if I had an open spleen and she had an open spleen, we would more so both be soaking up fears from the external world. But instead, since mine is defined, she's soaking up most of her fears from me. That makes sense. And just in case, because this was all new terminology to me, what she means to find is on your chart. And trust me, she'll walk you through all of this. I also love how, and you say this in your own podcast all the time, DM me and your DMs truly are open. That's how we connected so much. But define just means that it's colored in. But Mm -hmm. I see this before I even learned about human design too, is sometimes it's like the worries that are coming up for kids. It's like, oh, well, their parents are also worrying about those Mm -hmm. things too. And again, modeling, children learn so much about their environment and how to behave through modeling. And so Mm -hmm. it goes both ways. We can model ways that are more aligned, but also sometimes just naturally, we don't even realize it. We're modeling things that we don't want reflected back Mm -hmm. in, in children. This is so fascinating. So just to recap, Really using human design for yourself to learn about yourself, where you have to decondition, but also understanding what your child's energy type can also help you to understand them a little bit better. I remember growing up, my sister, who was a projector, she loved taking naps. She just would take really long naps. And I was always making fun of her being like, you're so lazy, blah, blah, blah. And so projector or manifester or reflector kids might need more sleep, might need more naps, might need more alone time, time away from other people. And this is a way that you can not think anything's wrong with them at all, but allow them to have that rest. One thing I remember looking up my own chart or like details about my chart is since I do lean more to the manifester side is that manifestors tend to know how to parent themselves. I remember Mm. you saying that and being pretty bold and loud. And as a kid, all the time I was told, you have so much energy. You're so loud. Mm -hmm. And I will say in some ways it got conditioned for me in a way that it was a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going through therapy. I'm very open about that and learning that that's also my skill set. That's also my zone of genius. And so if we think about it this way, like, yes, I'm going through this work now, but I also think, and this is no pointing of the fingers to my parents, but if they knew that was part of my energy type and that they didn't have to help me fit into this mold, it would be fascinating to see what life would be like now. Yeah. Yeah. Like with my daughter being sensitive in certain areas, I try to not be like, oh, you're too sensitive. It's like, this is a superpower. You know different things that other people aren't aware of. You can feel an energy when you walk into the room that not everybody can, you know? Absolutely. So let's talk about autism and autistic children because we had a conversation about this actually in my human design reading, and I'd love to introduce that here. How does autism fit into this human design picture? 
Totally. So in my certification, this came up a few different times, our teachers and coaches talking about this and the question coming up. There was actually several autistic students in my human design coaching program, which is really cool. So part of the download that came through in 1987, when human design was founded, was that 2027 is going to mark a very specific shift in human evolution. And it already started. Honestly, 1987 was the beginning of it. And it's just grown and grown and grown. And 2027 is going to be the actual mark of the quote unquote new paradigm. But there's a lot of different societal changes you're seeing happening. Different structures are crumbling and we're doing things in a different way and all that. But human wise, more people than not will have a lot of the characteristics of autism. So you're already seeing this happen more and more and more, but apparently in 2027, it's going to be most of the human population are going to have these characteristics, which is externally, they seem a little bit less emotional, but actually are way more internally tapped into their own emotions. They just don't pick up on other people's emotions or are swayed by other people's emotions, which is freaking beautiful. I have an open solar plexus. I feel everybody's emotions all the time. And it's honestly exhausting. Mm -hmm. So there's a reason for it. It's to help us evolve as humans and to help us become more advanced as a species, not do the whole people-pleasing thing, not do the whole not speaking up for ourselves situation. There's going to be a little bit more social detachment and more focus on the individual. And human design's the science of differentiation. So differentiation is a really, really big deal. For so many centuries, we've just been trying to be like each other as humans, get in packs, get in tribes, act like each other. And now is this paradigm of everybody being so very different than everybody else and that being like a really, really good thing. Some of the new characteristics starting in 2027 for humans will be much less emotions around food and eating. We won't need as much food and it'll be more for an energy source than emotional eating and stuff like that. Highly sensitive people just like way more sensitive to environment and chemicals and toxins and more sensitive eyesight, more sensitive hearing, more sensitive skin, and then much more spiritual, less ego and less not having any idea of competition, like competition isn't going to be a thing anymore, which is so cool. So all of these things are things that you can see when you look at people on the autism spectrum. But they're also things, if we can reframe it and look at it differently, that can help humanity. Also, just the extreme amount of energy going on in the, I'm going to use human design terms, but Ajna and Crown Center, those chakra centers, which is basically your brain in your pineal gland, we need people who are literally just geniuses in order to solve a lot of problems that are going on our planet right now with the environment and wars and greed and corruption and all that kind of stuff. And it's going to take a certain type of human who can literally shut everything off from the outside and not be worried about what other people think or social norms and can go into that creative brain and solve these problems. Absolutely. And I think we're starting to see this shift as a whole we are, but then also within the autism field, there's become such this emphasis on neurodiversity and how mm -hmm. brains think differently. And 
how different isn't bad. Two decades ago, for example, when my brother was diagnosed, there was a very huge stigma around it, so much so that my family didn't really talk about it outside of our house. And I think we're starting to see that like understanding that brains think differently. But I also think it's really cool, regardless if we think of it as autism or like the majority of people, it will be interesting to see what happens with the diagnostic category mm-hmm. for one. And that used to scare me as a practitioner too, but I feel like it doesn't scare me as much anymore. I used to be like, what do you mean autism might go away? And it's like, no, maybe it's just a broader acceptance so to speak. But a lot of the things you're talking about, really, there's such clear overlap to the symptoms of autism and how neurodivergent brains work, which is so neat. So I will say someone could be listening to this and aka former self, former me of being like, okay, what do you mean some big shift is happening in 2027? Is this some woo-woo thing? Can you actually touch on real quick the previous shift that happened because I think it it adds some validity to this idea of a shift coming. So I have a whole podcast episode on this as well that goes a little bit deeper. But the last shift was, I'm trying to remember the exact, it was like in the 1700s. And it was that shift from just straight up spiritual religious thinking and dogma and all of that kind of stuff to sort of more the industrial revolution thinking for ourselves the rise of science and logical thinking and making sense of things not just from a well you know it's thundering because god's mad at us because we did something wrong you know what i mean yeah for so many centuries it was just like We're just going to say that the heavens, you know, we did this, so the heavens did this, and this war happened, and this famine happened, this plague happened because we weren't obeying God kind of thing. And then you have more of the rise of logical thinking and science and the Industrial Revolution, and in the Industrial Revolution, building all these societal structures to keep things in line and efficient. Now we've gotten to the point where A, we have so many people on this earth and we've caused a lot of issues environmentally and whatever that it's not quite sustainable. And a lot of these structures are breaking down and you're seeing that over the last few decades. So the real interesting thing with human design is that things take apparently seven years to decondition. So if you're just now today learning about human design, It's going to take you like seven years to really put all of this into practice and to get to a place where you're utilizing this on a daily basis. I'm four years in now, so I'm not even there yet. I promise you that even just putting this into practice for like three days will change your life. But be patient with it because it does take some time. So seven years to decondition. The deal is that 2027 is our new paradigm. So it was said that in 2020 was going to be the beginning of deconditioning. What the freak happened in 2020? Everything changed for us. We are forced to be at home. So many people's careers change. I lost my job in the music industry. I had to like totally pivot and I didn't know that this was going to be it, but it ended up being way more fulfilling. DM me if your life didn't just totally do a 180 in 2020. In some ways it did. And some people aren't quite to where it's changed totally yet. If it hasn't happened now in 2023, it will in the next three and a half half years, I promise. And it can be really good, too. It doesn't have to be scary. But 
I'm very taking a lot of this with a grain of salt, too. I'm like, okay, I've been podcasting about this for three years now. It's going to be real interesting to go back and listen to my podcast in 2027 and be like, this was true and this wasn't. And this was true and this wasn't. And I'm just taking it all with a grain of salt. But I do know that putting a lot of these things into practice, the just specific human design type, authority, profile, has improved my life. And it's improved my ability to parent, not get triggered as easily. It's improved my marriage, pretty much everything in life. It's improved. It's not a quick fix. It takes some work, but it's a useful tool. And I think this idea of the shift, it can feel kind of scary and it doesn't have to. My purpose, I wanted to have Allison talk about this though, is this idea that we're already starting to see this shift with autism and that getting the autism diagnosis doesn't have to feel like this scary thing or almost like this death sentence for your child. It's a different way of learning. It's a different way of growing and evolving. I just want to recognize this too because it's coming to me right now is we're talking a lot about verbal autistic individuals as we're talking about this. Some of it, too, is I think it will start to give us a better understanding as well of looking into different ways of being and how energy is transferred. And that is the thing. If your child is non-speaking, even using an AAC device or you're using signs, like tuning into this could be really powerful for your relationship and your dynamic, sensing the energy, I think. One of the things I coach, especially parents of young children, is we need to be looking for those early indicators of how your child's trying to communicate to help them feel seen and heard and acknowledge and also reinforce the behaviors they are doing. And if we start to see it from this perspective of energy, even though it's so abstract and so woo-woo, I think it could really have a profound impact, too, on how you show up for your child, how you attend to your child, and just how you view their way of being in the world. 100%. If anybody's just like, okay, I don't even know about this. This is too much for me. The word energy is so funny lately, but you know that it's real. You walk into a room or you meet somebody and you're like, this is not right. I do not need to be friends with this person. There's just like this feeling and it doesn't make sense logically and you can't explain it on paper, but it is a thing. So if you know that you've ever had that experience, then start to dig in to your energetic blueprint. And yes, this is especially applicable for kiddos who are nonverbal. When I come on a, as a guest on people's podcasts, I'm like, I'm not going to share this whole thing because human design can get real trippy. But that is one of the downloads that came through is that we are going to start as human beings communicating more telepathically than no verbally. Mm -hmm. Wow. See, that's so weird because I didn't know this part. Allison and I have had many conversations, but I didn't know this. Mm -hmm. But I just was trying to take a step back. And it's actually really interesting. You'll see you have, oh, what is it called? Like an authority? Is that what it's called on your chart? The decision-making. Yeah, your decision-making. And so I have what's called a sacral authority, which is listening to my gut. And literally right now, as we're recording this, I was like, I need to say something about those who are non-speaking, that mm -hmm. this doesn't have to be for average and above average IQ kiddos. Mm -hmm. 
And then to hear that connection is so fascinating. I just hope that listening to this episode, it might have felt like a lot if this is brand new to you, but start digging in, start exploring yourself. I think that's the invitation. And I think that also, I hope you got a sense of hope from this, that our world is moving towards this more accepting place of neurodivergent children and actually celebrating the beauty that comes with it. Allison, before we wrap up, any kind of final thoughts or final takeaways for parents listening to this? Oh, my goodness. When I first started coaching, I was a parent of an almost one-year-old. And I actually started my coaching business by coaching parents and then realized, I don't know what the heck I'm talking about because I only have a (laughs) one-year-old. Like what? All these people were asking me questions about their five-year-olds and about their special need kiddos. And actually, one of the first podcasts I went on was one of my best friends has a special needs podcast. She's currently taking a really long break from it. But that was my first influx of coaching clients was parents of kiddos with profound special needs. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing here. So it was weird how life brought me to human design coaching through that path, because what I learned was that they didn't need parenting advice. They needed to go learn about themselves. It's not called childing. It's called parenting. You have to figure out being the parent. You have to do your own work. So this is a great tool to do your own work in a very structured way that gives you guidelines, that gives you step-by-step instructions, and it'll just improve everything in your life and your energy, and it'll make things easier in your parenting journey. And yeah, to think the impact then it can have on your child in turn by by doing this self-exploration. And that is the purpose of this podcast. Yes, we talk about autism. We talk about your child and even parenting, but it's also about your personal growth and evolution. And I will say Allison is an amazing resource. Y'all, I have binged her podcast. So if you want to learn more on this, she's going to, we'll link in the show notes, different resources start there, but you can learn so, so much from her podcast. I love how open you are to people DMing you. And I'm going to share this. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I can really see this being part of the way that I support parents over time Mm -hmm. as well, because I think it really is this tool that gives so much self-reflection and helps you to grow and evolve. And Allison, I just got to say, I feel so grateful for you. I found you on a podcast and I literally just slid into her DMs and word vomited all over (laughs) her, but it's created such a amazing relationship that I can tell is going to continue to evolve. And I'm just so grateful for that. I am so grateful too. Thank you for bringing this tool of human design to your parents. I think that's more than anything, all parents all over the earth need relief, just some feeling of relief. And that's what human design brings. So I do hope that you put this into part of your coaching skill resource list because you'd be amazing at leading people through human design. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for being here. So much value today. Yeah, just feeling gratitude. So that's all, y'all. Thank you so much for being here. And I will be back soon with another episode.
Before we wrap up this episode, for real this time, I want to share a couple ways you can get even more value and what your next steps could be. First, join the Evolve Facebook group. We do Q&As about the episodes and so much more. I linked that group, my personal social media pages, and any resources I mentioned in this episode in the show notes. So scroll down now and join me online. When you submit questions on any of my pages, your question could be featured on this podcast. How cool is that? I love being able to speak on topics that feel directly relevant to your life. Your questions truly make a difference in the content we create here. One last thing, do your fellow autism parents a favor. Share this episode on your social media and tag me. Autism currently affects one in 36 families in the United States and many more worldwide. So I'm sure there is a parent in your social media followers that could be served by this podcast. Thank you again for being here. And I'm so grateful we shared this time together. Bye y'all.